My headphones suck. Yeah. And we don't know they do be- until you got to use them. All right. It's all the cycle. Great. Like those old Walkman headphones. Yeah, they didn't have any cushion if you had the outside like speaker part come off. Mm-hmm. It was just like metal on your ear. <laughs> but anyway, the show goes on. That's right. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Buenas dias. Buenas noches. I think I said him right. Welcome to the Paid and Full Podcast. We are your hosts, JP and Mia, back for another great episode today. We believe it's number 35. So, here we are. Yes, it's, it's 35. Look it at us. We're just getting up there in age. We're we're growing. Yay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a little bit of headphone trouble. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. Um, got these bad headphones on, and mm-hmm. they pushing up against my glasses, so I'm looking like um, John Witherspoon in Vampire in Brooklyn right now. <laughs> John Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! The only part I remember about that movie was when uh, Kadeem Hardison was like the zombie; he was losing body parts. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only thing. And then of course Angela. Angela Bassett was fabulous, but yeah, I just remember he just, it was gross. He just kept losing body parts. He was like the limo driver. <laughs> so I didn't even remember that he was, John Witherspoon was in that movie. All so, right, yeah, lead, lead us to victory. <laughs> uh, for the first time listeners, welcome. We are a family oriented uh, relationships, marriage based podcast where we talk about everything surrounding the greatness of marriage. Uh, we are coming up soon on year 13. We are uh, past the milestone of 18 in our relationship. So uh, we don't expect that we're considered experts, but we got some years in and some experience. So we just kind of ride on that. Uh, for our readers, readers, why do I say Readers. Anywho, our listeners <laughs> who have been kind of rolling with us over the past uh, 34 episodes, welcome back, guys. We missed you. We are always very appreciative of anyone who is willing to listen and laugh with us. So uh, we're glad to have everyone in the room. In the room. <laughs> so here we go. How you doing, Bay? I am blessed and highly favored. Amen. Aren't we? I'm upbeat and excited about the future. All right, me too, babe. We don't we doing the thing. Twenty three is is a you know so far so far so good. At least in our little in our little world here. So, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about uh, what's going on the outside uh, in a little bit. But um, I guess we'll kind of reflect on January in our next episode. Since we're coming to the end of the month, and we'll see how good the month has been, or how bad the month has been. Mm-hmm. For some of us, it's not been very good. So we'll kind of reflect on our next episode. So, today, 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 boop, 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 we are talking about 
parenting. I just did the SpongeBob hands when he said, imagination. We're going to be doing parenting. Parenting to me is one of the number one hindrances to a happy, successful marriage or happy, successful relationship because you do have these little tiny baby terrorists who you are ultimately responsible for literally ushering them to adulthood. Talk about pressure. That's a little bit, a little bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to be talking about as much as we can within an hour um, about how different it is to raise children now versus when our parents raised us. Um, why is there an uptick recently in different parenting styles? Like there is a whole TV show on Hulu that I want to mention and talk about that um, discusses different parenting styles and which ones are the quote unquote best. People have been talking about gentle parenting. Like what the heck is that? We're going to like kind of touch on that. Um, so everything parenting and then what are some of the, the ways that we feel um, best reflects how we are raising our little boy and our little girl? So we've got sort of a piled high um, podcast um, episode today, um, just kind of talking about parenting and really how tough it is. Um, and we welcome, again, from the top, we welcome all um, comments, suggestions, as long as you guys are... Um, Nice, <laughs> be nice, like for real, because the internet is a very mean place. Um, we are in no way parenting experts. We are not professionals. We are not psychologists. We are just giving you our experience and take with it what you will. Speak for yourself. I'm father of the decade. JP is okay, so he has a lot more confidence than I do. So take. Take what he says like a solid goal. But for me, I'm just going to kind of tell Stop. you what I'm thinking. Stop swinging so, the phone around. It's hitting the table. Is it for real? It's not. <laughs> it's not touching. Your movements are. Uh, well, you, I gesture. you really animated. I know. When I start talking, I start moving my hands. Like the Buster Rhymes of podcasting. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'll push JP out of this chair. <laughs> so y'all get him. He already starting. We're gonna. We're supposed to be in a, a front. We're gonna be together today and showing what we're doing with our children. Word. We're supposed to be together on this. I believe you. All right. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the thing. She you, said, you ready? She, yes. She said, "Do it." <sighs> All right. So let me see. How can we kind of move into this here? However you choose. All right. I'm gonna pose a question because you know I love asking you questions. Mm-hmm. Are you a good father? I just answered that. Yes. Yes, I am. I am outstanding. I am the cream of the crop. <laughs> I am the alpha and the omega of fathering. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever questioned it? I have not. Never, ever? Never. Are you lucky. And I wonder if there's something to that. We'll talk about like the guilt portion in a little bit, but um, yeah, because I've I question whether I'm a good mom, and I think there's more pressure to be a good mom than to be a good dad, especially in our community and our culture. Because you put unnecessary pressure on you, I believe I'm a good father because I stay within 
what what I define as being a good father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more? What do you? What's your definition? You stay within what you define as being a good father. Can yes. you tell me what that is? I I'm a I'm a provider. Um, if you remember when we were when you were pregnant with Drew and a random lady asked me what I was going to be and I said active. I, I believe I'm doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay out of jail, um, <laughs> and they eat chicken nuggets all the time. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. you give them occasionally what they want, a lot of what they need, occasionally what they want. Okay. I I totally concur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what is your expectations going into this moonshot of an opinion? <laughs> so. Josh should be speaking French now. Josh should <laughs> go. Okay. Foundation. Like, bare minimum. For me, a good mother is a role model, especially if you have a little girl, but also little boys need to see good women in their mothers. Um, Also a provider, not only just financially, but also nurturing. Um, A good mother to me uh, doesn't just rely on what she thinks she knows, but she also provides ways through which the kids can learn, um, that she can learn from the children. Um, like having actual conversation and not just because I said so. Um, I know I'm already too deep, aren't I? I think the more appropriate question is, am I a good father to you? Absolutely. And not like if you, if I am observing you, it's not from your point of view, it's from the kids. So I see the good father in you through the children mm-hmm. so I see the way Drew looks at you and the way Jai like her little eyeball sparkles like I'm gonna go cuddle with daddy and see she, through that that action of them wanting to be around you mm-hmm. that tells me you're a good father because if they didn't want to have if they didn't think you were a good dad they wouldn't want to be around you we know that firsthand. like we don't want to be around people who we don't like animals do the same thing so them wanting to be with you and Drew coming to hug you every night, regardless if our door is closed, he come knocking on the door. I have to say goodbye to, I have to say goodnight to daddy. And I'm like, come on, daddy over there sleep. Drew still put that little head over there boom, and hugs him. And it's so endearing and so like limited. Cause we know it's not going to last forever. One day they're just going to be gone. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, where is Jaya? It's midnight. But I see it through them. Mm-hmm. Not only, and that's aside from what I see in you, like I've, I've witnessed, like the laughter and everything that Drew writes on, like those little Father's Day uh, handouts that they do at school, and like everything I love about my dad, them wanting to do a whole show for you for your birthday. I had to like knock it down and take off stuff because they had so many ideas that they wanted to do because it's daddy and we want to write in poetry. We want to draw. We want to do a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, all right, we got to do a little bit because this is going to go on forever. But just, you know, that and me seeing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, 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 what could I improve upon Mia? As a, as a dad. Correct. Oof. Oof. Put it's, me on the spot because this wasn't. It is. What can you improve upon? Because your definition is is very close to what I would define. 
Um, I would probably say, um, I mean, I think you can never go wrong with just adding more life conversation. And I don't know if you guys do, because I know you drop the kids off in the morning. And so you have that opportunity to just be like, hey, let's talk about, I don't know, what do angels look like? Or, you know, because they have random questions. They just be like, hey, mom, you know, what happens when we swallow? I don't know. You know, (laughs) your throat takes food down and it goes into your stomach. So they just like to know stuff like that. Pause. Right. And so <laughs> so I think just having more of those like randomized conversations with them and then um, let them know when you have a bad day because they need to know that daddy is moody because I had a rough day, but I am going to be OK. And I want you guys to see me have a rough day. Like, I don't think we do that enough as parents, both moms and dads. Um, because I, I'm starting now to tell them that I had a bad day because I had that time with them when I picked them up. So Drew and Jai, I ask them all the time when we pick them up, how's your day? I don't want to hear nice. They have, you know, really big adjectives that they like to use and they'll say, mommy, how was yours? And I'll say, you know, oof, today was a little rough. Let me tell you why. So I like to have those conversations with them so that they know they don't always have to be all good. Uh So, yeah. So that's what I would say, maybe. I have put that into my mental Rolodex, even though I technically do do that mm-hmm. in the morning. I know you do, and <laughs> I don't get to, see you don't get to see it. I know. You judge, but I love that. You judge me with your racism, but it's okay. <gasps> what? So what you think? I'm just listening to rap music on the way to school and just kicking them out the car. No, I already, if we rerun this episode, I said you probably do it, but I'm not there. Rerun. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Y'all hear him, right? I'm going to keep you focused. I'm going to keep you focused. (sighs) Continue. So, I don't even know if I remember if I finished a good mother list. I would have to list that out Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's a lot. It's way too detailed and probably, like you said, way too much. Neurotic. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say high expectations, but yeah, probably slightly neurotic. And I think I mentioned this before that it's it's not just me. It's society that tells mothers that we're supposed to be the all and about for our families. And it, we can't just cut it off just because we know it's neurotic. Where, just, is, where is that at? In society? In society. It's on everything because it, no, well, it comes from the generations ahead of us that in at least in our country, there a lot of families are maternal led because there's been a lot of absentee father. I was going to say absentee fatherism, but absenteeism in fatherhood. So women have had to really up the ante and be moms and dads in a lot of uh, families. And I don't think that cut off. They taught us that. So my mom didn't necessarily teach us that, but my dad was in the Air Force, so he was absent a lot. So she had to be mom and dad when she was younger, and I watched her do that. So in my brain, I'm like, hey, that's just kind of how we were taught. So where would where would the cutoff be with that? Because I mean, mm-hmm. if if you are, if, I get that if if the father isn't isn't it's, isn't it's there, but mm-hmm. if the father is there and that happens, it it becomes discouraging. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. It becomes discouraging to the father. Mm-hmm. 
because the mother is running doing, around doing, doing it. too much. DTM. <laughs> mm-hmm. Case in point, yesterday. <laughs> Tell me about yesterday. <laughs> when I couldn't get a thought out <laughs> when I was talking to Drew because <laughs> you wanted to be a secret mind reader and say everything that was coming out of my mouth before it came out of my mouth. I didn't mean to talk over him, our our dear audience. I was just adding on, and then he he paused, and so I was trying to fill in during his pause. And I though he pausing. kept talking, I was pausing because know, you were talking. I know, but in my brain, you paused, and I was like, "Oh, I was going to just fill in your the rest of the thought." But then he started talking again, and so I was talking. And saying what he was saying <laughs> of what he should do for daddy. I know. <laughs> so, so, it's all, yes. it's all good. But I, Where is the cutoff? Yeah. I don't know. I think it starts with conversations like this. Like the awareness. It has to be an awareness because a lot of people, I would imagine a lot of households, the woman doesn't know that she's like the alpha female. Like it just kind of, in my house, I'm the alpha and so I think it just starts with what can I pull back on and what where what areas would you like to be the forefront? So when I'm talking about something. I know, babe. I'm just saying generally, <laughs> not just that specifically, but yes. And and I'm slowly it's it's becoming more natural for me to allow you to be dad. Um JP read me, um, I don't know, it's been a few months ago now, where um, he was joking with Drew, and I felt that Drew was getting emotional. So in protection of what I thought was in protection of Drew, I got on JP because I was like, hey, maybe we should lay off the joking because sometimes he thinks it's serious because, of course, of his spectrum. Not realizing that JP was... He was joking with Drew, but in his tone, Drew or I, we didn't recognize that my husband was just joking. So JP read me and was like, hey, don't ever, you know, don't ever think that I'm going to do harm to our son. I know our son. I know that you, you and I both know that I would never hurt his feelings on purpose. That's not what I'm about. And it didn't occur to me that in my protection of him that I was bringing some ire to my husband that I was launching oh, on him. Offensive. Yes, some offense to my husband. It was um, unintentional because my focus was on Drew at the time that I was, like, throwing JP under the bus, basically, in, in, and in my opinion, I was thinking that he was being too harsh when he wasn't even being serious. So that's like one of those things where I'm having to teach myself, hey, what I'm thinking in this alpha female hat that I put on when I'm around the kids is not always accurate and appropriate for the moment. So I like to give myself some growth points on that So because it starts with a conversation. Thank you, babe. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning. Yeah, I'm don't, learning. Don't do that shit no more. So, y'all see, he's just so harsh on me. So, anywho, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, let's talk about 
then versus now. Do you think our parents had it easier raising us than we have it easier than raising our children? You would have to speak on this more than I would. Why is that? Because I was more raised by, I had four other grown siblings. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Your mommy had help. So they were kind of on autopilot with me a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that does matter too. Birth order. Birth order matters. Um, Because younger kids, my husband is a youngest of five with them being much older. I think your sister, the closest sister is nine years older, so they are much older. Um, So so it's different. More so my parenting came from my older sister. Mm -hmm. So you can't really speak on that. Hey, yeah. I was hoping we could. Okay. Well, I we can, can just kind of pitch it. Like I said, I'd, yeah. I'd rather hear more from you. Mm-hmm. Because I am. It's so funny that we we were around the same age, but my our like upbringing was different because I am the I'm an oldest, and my parents were very young when they had me, as opposed to my husband's um, family. So, um, me being the oldest girl, not just the oldest, but also the girl. Um, being raised in the late 80s through the 90s, um, I am emphatic, emphatically believe that my parents had it easier back then than we have it now. I will bet money, put money on it. No, I'm just playing. But here's here's the, the one big kicker as to why. Um, in the... Late 80s, early 90s, from my memory, it was the big, I guess, idea of family was that we're all in this together. It takes a village, right? So you have instances where children were brought up not only with their mom and dad, mom or dad, but also you had grandma. In some instances, you had great grandma, host of aunts and uncles. You had cousins. Sometimes they were all living in the same house. So you always had family around, and that gave the parents time to be, um, if there were two parents, of course, that gave parents the time to be themselves, perhaps take time off, be able to do things and independently develop themselves as humans. Now that families have kind of stretched out and traveled a little bit more than they did back in the day, we don't have the same village raising that most of us were brought up in. A lot of us are doing this by ourselves. So, um, like in our case, it's, you know, myself and my husband and our two children. We do have a couple of nephews here. They do live a little further away from us. And we do, it's very rare and occasionally, but we do, you know, tend to get together. But it's definitely different from having, you know, grandma to kind of rely on. And so just in that case, this is one of probably 80 cases that I could uh, kind of argue for. Um, I think that our parents had it easier. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking about. I'm going to pull up some information. I read a, a blog post. Um, it was by, da, 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 da. I did some screenshots of it. It's by uh, the website 
Let's 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 applaud gaming. Yo, I rap, I rip, I rhyme while we mm-hmm. is finding this blog mm-hmm. post. Ah, uh, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. Drum in a in a hall. Drum in a hall. I'm probably saying it right. Maybe a hell. Anywho, they listed out eight reasons why parenting now is more difficult than it would have been when we were growing up. Um, besides just the more obvious, in my head, the more obvious um, dangers that our children face now that we didn't face, like we could just like run outside and play all day. And there was no concern that we would get abducted. There was no concern that we would get hit by a car. There was no concern that we could fall out that tree that we were climbing. We were just kids. We got scraped up. We went in the backyard, got the water hose, put the Band-Aid on it, kept it moving. I used to climb trees out by a dumpster. <laughs> so there was no like fear that I was going to fall in that dumpster because we were children. Nowadays, some kids don't even have backyards. They don't have anywhere to play. We got people coming out snatching kids left and right. We got kids, you know, being taken and killed in, in, in Georgia, you know, trafficking is a whole thing. So, and then Lord Jesus, internet, internet is big, all caps. So besides all those things, that's just aside. These are some of the reasons that they say it's difficult, more difficult now to raise children. Um, the first one was what I just mentioned. We are not meant to do this alone. Um, they say that we have this modern setup of a family that is a mom or dad and children. And it takes more than just two people to raise full, happy, functioning adults. Um, unfortunately, this is just kind of the norm because family members are stretched out all over the world. But biologically, our ancestors did not just sit and mom and dad just raised the kids. It was everybody in the family who raised all the kids. Like you would get a whipping by your uncle. It is what it is. Like I had my aunties. They were going, they were more, um, they were just as required to discipline me as my mama was. And I knew that. So um, that's the number one that they had on their list. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one they say, they, they call it science is powerful. So we are drowning in information now. And they say, yes, it's a good thing that science is now telling us these are the things that you should do to have happy children. But now it's people are kind of taking it and kind of running with it. And it's so much information that we are like we're more likely to lead now with our head than with our heart. Because we're like, oh, they're supposed to get three square meals a day and two snacks. And they're supposed to have this bedtime. And they're not supposed to have this screen time. And they're supposed to have this and this and this because that's what science has told us. And it becomes more like we're robots than like actual humans raising children. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, Another one is rapidly changing technology. Um. We don't know what the world's going to look like for our children when they age. Um, right now, it's just it just feels like everything around us in our bubble is uh, outside of our bubble is is it's just bad. You know, the world is bad. Inflation by itself is bad. We don't know what our money's going to be worth later. We don't know if we haven't jacked up the world enough that you know <laughs> we have this dust cloud that kind of lives on Earth. I don't know anything but we um we're sitting in uncertainty and we don't know through which um how it's going to impact our kids later so 
And I'm imagining that that happened in the 90s, too. They didn't know how the year 2000 was going to hit. And here we are in 23. Um, Limited exposure is another one. This is number four. Um, They say that uh, for a lot of people who live in small families, the first time that they hold a baby would have been their own babies. So in going back to like the village raising the family, they say that you would have had a little cousin or a nephew or a niece to kind of love on and hold and be able to see what parenting looked like. But if you have a small family, you wouldn't have had any of that. And so I didn't have babies around me. There was because I was the oldest. My sisters are younger. It was expected that I would have been the first one to get married, you know, and all that. And I was. So the first baby I had was my nieces when I met JP. Um, my niece was two, two or three. That's that was that was the like the first baby I had held, and she was a toddler. So, um, and then the next baby after that was my my babies. You know, so. We don't have very much exposure to what parenting should look like. A um, couple of other little ones here. You, you with me, babe? Yes, you I listening? am. <laughs> you got the headphones. You're checking out the headphones. Yes. So, um, do, 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 do. there's more focus on our children now because we have fewer. So, now, don't get me wrong. I do know women right now who have nine children, seven children. I know one lady who has like all boys, so big families do exist, but not as um, frequent as our families that were growing up. Like JP came from five, I came from three, which is technically small, but my great grandma had six, she actually had seven. Um, People came from big, big families, so now that we only have like one or two, there's so much focus on getting these people, getting these people right, like making them grow up right because we don't have no error, like there's no room for error. They got to grow up one time, and they have to grow up decent one time. So um, it's not like if you like messed up the first one, you got like seven more behind them and try to fix it. And I think that kind of happens when older people get remarried, and then they're like better dads or better moms to their stepchildren because they like got a second chance and they knew what they did wrong the first time, and they were like, oh. I'm not going to do that again. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, they have school system up here. Just the whole idea of children going to school for seven and a half hours, having to sit down for hours at a time and just listen to the teacher. and wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Just school as a culture. It is more difficult now, uh, even though now they emphasize arts integration and brain breaks and get the kids moving and they learn more when it's creative. But it's still the whole culture of of parenting through this like academic expectation. Expectations are higher because now we want our babies to go to college and not just go to college, have a scholarship. And not just a scholarship, a full ride because college now is sky high. And so on and on and on. That's just more pressure for us, right? <laughs> JP is laughing. You will not I have the last two. <laughs> We're going through. <laughs> take a break. We're going through Green the reasons. Youth. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through reasons why raising children now okay, is so more difficult. Go pick and roll. Let's go. All right. So last two. <laughs> um, 
connection over distance. So they say there isn't enough research yet to understand whether or not our reliance on technology is to our benefit or our detriment. Um, we don't know short, long-term impact of all of this technology is going to be, which kind of freaks me out. <laughs> like, we could be literally downloading something into our brains every day that's going to take us out one day, but we don't know it because that's the way we talk. So me being on, you know, like this FaceTime contraption could be, like, to our detriment, but we don't know, Right. <laughs> Hey, I watch enough TV to know that <laughs> not everything is good for you. I mean, you you watching TV. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's another medium <laughs> to get the information that what you're watching. Where, where else are we going to get it from? It's not good for you, but you're watching it all. And there. they're not honest out there. <laughs> there is something out there. All right. Greetings, urban youth. <laughs> are you and your partner ever been a victim of? <laughs> the last one is. Work and home as different spheres. So they say that us trying to basically manage and juggle everything at work and then coming home to be with the children, it creates sort of a, a social gap that our parents didn't have before us. Because a lot of times moms would stay at home, be with the children to a certain age, the kids would go to school, mama would work, whatever. And now, girl, you got to work, you know, for the most part of your Family can't, your family income isn't enough to maintain uh, buying eggs because they're $15 a carton now. Then you, you know, most people have to go out and find, you know, disposable income so that you can live. So that's a thing as well. So those mm-hmm. are reasons through which raising children now was more difficult than it was in the 90s or prior. Okay. So. It was very drawn out, I understand. <laughs> so we're going to let JP talk now. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> but I wanted night, to sort everybody. of know. <laughs> oh, my God. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> I, I want to hear um, sort of some. <laughs> Is there a question you want to ask me? <laughs> Okay. I'm getting there. I I, I do want to have some sort of some feedback. <laughs> Where do I? Begin? I had to get them all out in, in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning, there was light. <laughs> okay, let's go, Because you okay, so you started the conversation with you didn't <laughs> a long time ago. You started the conversation with. You didn't really have a, like input on it because you were raised by a big family. So, how I'll just kind of pitch it into this era that we're in. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's difficult to raise children now? Just not even comparing it to when we were raised, but do you think it's difficult? Well, while I while I do say that I am a good father, I believe it's more difficult now because I am I am also part of the the FOMO club. The fear of the fear of missing out on giving giving my kids everything that they that they need. So I, there's almost a point of over over overcompensation on my part, um, because I want to make sure that they had everything um, mm-hmm. more more than I did. Like I said, I, I did have everything that I that I needed, mm-hmm. but I also. 
have I also have a um an understanding of what what I what I missed out on as well. Okay. What do you think you um you missed out on that you want to make sure you don't miss with Drew and Jai? Um companionship. Like mm-hmm. I said, um my, my brothers and sisters were way older than me, so again, I was pretty much by myself. So I want to make sure that they understand they they have they have the luxury of being able to grow up with each other, and I want to make sure that they have equal equal experiences because I didn't get to experience some of the things that my brothers and sisters gr- had growing up mm-hmm. with each other. Like they they had experiences together. together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And all I could do, all I got was like the, the funny stories mm. afterwards, but, to, I, but mm-hmm. I wasn't there for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and instilling in them an understanding that they are, they have to be important to each other because it's easy for like you as the baby baby to be, to not feel as connected to them because they're all close in age and then there's you. And so I think in that situation, it could be sort of a disconnect between them being important to mom and dad in that part of mom and dad's life versus mm-hmm. you being like a oops, like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. So that you wouldn't, that you would sort of feel less than them because you were like the kid who came last and you were like the one who came when they were much older. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, that's part of what I, I really want for them is for them to understand that, um, that they must, be, I don't want to say good to each other, that they, they must learn how one another thinks because they're going to need each other for something. Um, I don't think I got that. Even as the oldest kid, there wasn't any, my mom would always say, you know, your mom, me and your dad, we're not going to be here forever. So if something happens to um, us, y'all would have to get along and be with each other. That was like the gist of it. I didn't get any conversations about why it is important for us to be in one another's life. And now that we're older, it's like, mm, you know, we, yeah, that's my sister, but I don't have a close connection to her because it was never emphasized that we needed to be close. It was said that, oh, if mom and dad dies, but oh, mom and dad didn't die. So there wasn't that, that connection or that importance to be in one another's life wasn't there. And it's still not there, like, in all honesty. So that's a transparent moment. So, yeah, I understand that. That's a, that's, And that's part of us wanting them to grow up to be decent humans, you know, not just to other people but to one another. And they're so close, you know, they're close now. We call them, like, twins because when they were younger, like, Drew would cry because Jai was crying and vice versa and now, when they're like one of them is away, the other one wants to know when they're coming back. I'm like, Jama, you know, he'll be back. He's on a play date. Well, what time? I'm like, I don't know, Mama. When he comes back, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's really precious. Like, and that's what we want. We want them to learn how important they are to one another and in what ways, so that when they get older, they'll know, you know, what they can rely on within one another. So, mm, that's good stuff. Um, let's see what else I got for you. So you said the word overcompensate. Um, and we had this moment today, y'all. So baby girl, 
Should I tell them about our baby girl? Because somebody out there knows what we're talking about. We can, but it's, it's our fault. <sighs> it's our fault. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me kind of just give you all this scenario, okay? Um, our children, um, we live in a three-bedroom home, right? Um, split level, of course. Um, plenty of space. Real cute house, whatever. The children have their own rooms. So... We have put expectations that, you know, this is a room, this is your room, however, you are expected to keep it clean, blah, 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 you know, keep it clean conversation. So, Drew, you know, not even being our child in the spectrum, but just being a more clean, cleanliness-based child, keeps his room immaculate pretty much all the time. If he does play around, tear it up a little bit, he cleans it up within a, you know, 30-minute period, it's done. Jai Ma... Baby girl, room looks like five kids live in there and none of them know how to clean. And I'm talking like she has a trash can. There's no trash in the trash can. The trash is on the floor. All of her clothes that she wore the days before is stuffed underneath the bed. Her toys from her toy bin are beside the toy bin on the floor. None of them are in the toy bin. She got food. She'll take food and throw it in the toy bin. That's what I found today. Scissors that she used for our project. Tape she used for our project in the toy bin. All of this stuff. So this is what we did today. JP was like, we're going to get all the trash out of her room. And we're going to clear it out so that she'll know that we really mean business when we say you have to clean this room clean. We don't want bugs. You know, we know that bugs may not be necessarily attracted to human food, but still, we don't want dirt in the house. That's not that's not actually factual. Well, okay, so... Bugs are attracted to human food. <laughs> okay. Well, not all bugs. <laughs> all, so, all bugs. Are attracted to human food. All right. We're going to... Okay. I'm going to find out. So, but all of that is to say... This child, and, and I'm thinking it's just her executive function. And when I ask Jai, I'll tell her to look around her room, and I'll say, Jai, is it messy? And she'll go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I disagree. You disagree? Because I have asked her. I have said, look around your room. Is this room messy? And she'll, she'll it'll be like a surprise that she hadn't considered that the room is messy. Talk to me. Uh-huh. Uh, we have to take full responsibility. I'm, I'm coming there. I'm going. Okay. okay. Well, continue. So, continue. <laughs> um, so today, JP was like, we're going to clean her room. We cleaned her room. Not only cleaned her room, I threw out like all, all these extraneous toys. Even if it was stuff that she was playing with, went in the garbage. We put all her stuff in one bin in her line of vision and not that it can hide in the closet anymore. I took out all the art stuff because that's trashed. I put all her bay, her stuffed animals in a bin. I took her comforter off her bed because the comforter is always on the floor. I said, no, you get the comforter when we get her to go to bed. So she has a mattress, a fitted sheet, her toy, small toy bin, her stuffed animal bin, and her TV, and then her two dresses with her bookshelf and her dresser. That's what's in her room. And it's so nice and neat. It doesn't stress me out when I go in there. Right now, I just went in there to close her blinds, and it's nice and neat. And the idea is that JP, JP put this in my head and I've been holding on to it and kind of mulling it over is that that is our fault because we bought the stuff. We bought the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We bought the stuff. 
Yeah, and we want we want more we want more for Jai mm-hmm. than what Jai actually needs at this time in her life. Yeah. Do you think she's six? Yeah, she could, she plays with the same four toys, five toys, maybe. Yeah, she's six. So with us basically overcompensating for whatever reason, we continuously buy her stuff. Um, give, give it to her, and then we have the expectations of a six-year-old to maintain a room like she's twenty-one, mm-hmm. yeah. and we can't do that. Yeah, we have we have to establish the boundaries of what she has, and and how how she uses it. But if we mm-hmm. are expecting her to have, to make sound judgment on how to deal with it, she's six, mm-hmm. and that's that's not fair to her. You're right. And our baby isn't a mature six. Like, our, Drew is a mature nine. Jai's not a mature six. So we, so. Have, to, we have to start looking at her as, as, a, as, as a baby. As a, as a six She's still a baby. Yeah. Yep. Because I, I did ask her, I said, is there, do you think there's a lot of stuff in your room? And she said no. And I think she only said no because she didn't want me to throw anything out. I don't think it's no because there's truly stuff in my room and it's overwhelming me, mama. I think she was just like, no, because mommy's going to throw stuff out if I say yes. Because she's very smart like that. She's very mm-hmm. clever. So She, she is very smart. Mm-hmm. Again, she's only, she's only six. Yeah. And I think in her mind, it's if I say clean up, it, for her, clean up means put it out of sight. So under the bed and in the closet is out of sight. It looks clean. So... It's like, hey, it is clean, mommy. This this is clean. This is clean for me. She stuffed stuff in the corner because it's out of sight, right? So, which is, again, a six-year-old, very clever. So, so we yeah. have to put her in the place of a child, and that, that falls on us as parents. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we're learning. Um, I'm sure other um, families out there have a child or children with what we would call messy rooms or not rooms that are fitting our expectation of, of clean. Um, again, we're first time parents. We don't have anybody in front of us that showed us how to do this thing. So we are all trial and error right now. Um, I know I overcompensate because I experience a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt. It's less than it used to be when they were babies and I had to go to work. And I had to leave them. It's less now because they're in school. But I experience a lot of guilt, and I and think it's the whole thing. Mom guilt is a thing. Um, and just the idea that I'm supposed to be there for every emotional, social, physical, spiritual moment in their lives, which is impossible because any of that can happen away from me. But... That pressure that I am missing something always ends in some type of guilt feeling. And it's weird. Of course, again, it's less now because they're older. And I feel as if <laughs> I've been there um, for most of it. But do you think, because mom guilt, I mean, I know my moms, you can recognize mom guilt. They have whole articles, books on it. Is there, do you think there's something, anything called dad guilt? You think dad guilt is a thing? I know you said you have, you have FOMO, which might be, hmm, it can be synonymous with dad guilt, but not really. No, 
No, not got guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, Just the fear that you're going to miss something. It's more so them missing something. And I got to, I got to, we, we got to realize that there's, 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 there is some beauty in, in, in missing. It's missing stuff. We can't give them every single experience. We're not. We're not going to be able to get them every single experience. Some of this stuff that some of this stuff, as much as we we try to prepare them for life, we can't prepare them for every, for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of this stuff they they will have to experience when they get older. And we're we're trying to come compound it into mm-hmm. ten years of life. Yeah. Ten, because, 10 and 6 years of life because we've been told these are the best years of their lives and you have such an influence on them right now that everything feels like it has to happen right in this time period because they're going to be older and quote unquote not really care later on yeah. so yeah. for us I think we just need to take a step back and we'll saw a little bit <laughs> I don't know if my mic went out. Oh, no, you're good. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just take a step back and woo-saw and just take 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 it for what it is and try to do the best we can. But like I said, we can't we can't squeeze everything in. It's, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It sucks. Because, again, that pressure to build them up, we know that there are going to be some moments when we're not going to be able to be there for them. They're going to have heartbreaks. They're going to get into fights. They're going to have all these moments where we're not going to be anywhere in the picture. And they're going to have to do, they're going to have to rely on problem solving skills that we start them on, you know, that they build on in order to get out of those situations. And we're not going to be there. We're going to just be there for the after effect, you know, the crying and the, you know, the trying to rationalize their decision making. We'll be there for that, but we're not going to be able to be there for all the stuff. So you're right. It's it's um, parenting and thinking that way is so amazing and so utterly heartbreaking at the same time because we have to give all be all to these little people until the moment when we're not anymore. Like we're not going to be all anymore, and it's going to be abrupt. Um, it's not going to be gradual over time. It's just going to be like one day we're cool parents. And the next moment it's going to be, I don't like you anymore. And it's, that's heartbreaking. You know, it's going to be just like a gut punch because that's just kind of how, that's the, the gist of, of parenting. It's just, it's going to be that, that like good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, <laughs> why do we give them a lot of stuff? I'm back to like giving them stuff. Um, I don't know if we, oh man, I, my first reaction is I don't think we give them a lot of stuff, but they acquire a lot of stuff. So that's, that's the same thing. Is, is it still from the same place that we give them stuff because. (laughs) How do they acquire it? I don't know. You do know. Get your hand away from your mouth. You just answered your own question. They acquire a lot of stuff because you give them a lot of stuff. Yeah, probably. Um, so I have a, a clip. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we listened to uh, the Joe Budden podcast, and they were talking about this on their last episode, and I'm going to kind of let you guys listen in, and we're going to kind of respond, because it was uh, something we were listening to the other day. 
And uh, here, here's the clip. It's from episode 597. So let's see. Niggas in the bag for $100. <laughs> 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 niggas don't even move. That one nigga be like this. Can't say nigger. But today, listen, I go to my dad's house. My sister's room is directly across from my little brother's room. There's two of them in there. She in there by herself. Them two little niggas do not leave that room over the game. There's two TVs, two consoles, bunk beds. <laughs> yeah, they got they not leave it. Headsets, like anything they need, they stay they in there. They're not, they do it not all. budge. They shit is. They, they got two TVs and two separate consoles. Yes. Two PS5. Oh yeah, them little niggas spoil. The gaming channel shit. If y'all share that shit, they spoil. Dog, when they they wanted that PS5 shit when it was so tough to get, my girl's son got him one. Like when they was falling off the truck. But yeah, so they got they set up in there. They don't leave. My little sister, that little kitchen shit, an iPad, some other toys and shit, and she don't leave. They don't leave them rooms with all that mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. And when my son is there, he's with my sister, mm. and they getting in their pots and pans shit. I'm not never going. I don't. I don't want to never turn down nothing that's teaching something. And for me, that is what the little kitchen shit for sure. is doing. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm even the parent. Stop it right there. Okay. So they were discussing, um, initially in that particular episode, they were discussing, um, like, when when, um, little girls and little boys play with those little kitchen sets and how even nowadays it's frowned upon that a little boy would want to play in a kitchen set. And they said, like, it was a difference because when they first, like, pitched or when kitchen sets first came out, they were, like, pink and it was cute for a little girl and now little boys. Little boys should be able to play in kitchen sets. And then they kind of parlayed into the fact that these children, children nowadays grow up with everything given to them. And he said he has little brother and little sister and they both have, they have two TVs and two consoles in the same room. So... I was thinking about that in terms of our kids and how our children have flat screen TVs, you know, on the wall. They both have queen size beds, queen size mattresses. Yep. And mostly that was because we didn't want to have to buy. They were going to grow out of a twin bed because we have tall children. So we were like, hey, just buy the big bed because we would have had to upgrade later anyway, even though that's the idea of baby that wasn't. I don't know. Um, They have their own set of toys each. Like they both have their things that they like. Jai has ponies and unicorns. Drew has all the Avengers on Earth, right, that we've, we bought, right, or he's gotten from Santa, but, you know, we bought. Laptops. And they both have laptops and accessories to go with their laptops. We even, like, personalize their laptops so that it wouldn't be she has my laptop. Um, they have the whole setup, <laughs> like um, Joe Budden, like, quoted the whole setup in the room. Um so I'm, I'm wondering, like, my idea behind this is if we overcompensate because we can't always be there. And that's, that's my fear and my thought. Like, this ideation is that I, I know I'm not going to always be there, um, especially when I'm trying to do some self-care for myself. That's, you know, part of me trying to develop as a human myself because I'm still growing up. They're watching us grow up. Because that's what you do with your parents is you watch them grow up as well. And so if he asks me for Minecraft or Fortnite, I'm going to get it because I am I am guilty for not being able to always be there for him in like coming in the future. It's such a weird thought. But I think 
if we had the choice not to work and raise a family, and we could, I think a lot of women, if we could be home and not have to work, I think a lot of us would be home so that we won't feel like we're missing something and we're not overcompensating with stuff. So that's a very, that's a very real idea that we kind of fell into because we didn't set out to do this, you know, and our children, you know, they're, they're good, you know, they're good kids. They try hard at school. They get good grades. You know, they're, they're doing it. So we're like, Hey, Let's give them something. You know, let's give them a queen-size bed. You know, so, yeah. JP says, all I fault. Yeah. So we're learning. That's, that's, the, that's the toughie. The lessons you learn is usually after the, the fallout from it. <laughs> like, you be like, oh, that makes sense. After, like, everything hit the van already. You learn more from your mistakes. You learn more from, yeah, yeah, from your mistakes. Yeah, that's very true. And I don't know if it's, well, we wouldn't know until later if it's a mistake. Like, we won't know how this would impact them as humans until later. So I'm hoping it doesn't impact them too much. That we're hoping that we're not raising spoiled children. So there is a, you know, there's a line there. Um, gentle parenting. What is that? Ah, I'm glad you asked, husband. So, gentle parenting is this new parenting wave, like literally the last year, I, I would believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. But they're calling it like the new way of, the like the new best way to parent children. So, gentle parenting involves... I'm already going to say hell no. I know, I know. And and I'm going to tell you why in our culture, why it doesn't work, and why like all the memes say it. So, gentle parenting as a definition is being compassionate and explaining things to children and um, giving them um, some agency over what they get to do in a day, like giving them decisions as opposed to telling them what they should do, (laughs) allowing them to (laughs) make their own decisions um, regarding food and where they want to sleep and what they want to wear and, you know, all those little basic things in a day. Um, and, um, instead of disciplining, like traditional disciplining, like, you know, don't hit them, don't scream at them. You should sit down and talk through problems and come up with solutions together. So the whole idea is gentle, right? You're just talking to them and being friendly without being too scary. You, know, you don't want to scare the children because if you scare them, you scare them away. And I'm saying it in this tone of voice <clears> because, of course, clearly I'm a skeptic. Y'all have to really show me that this works. But Kelly Rowland, Kelly Rowland, famous Kelly Rowland, she had the conversation with, um, I believe, Michelle Obama. It was on a show recently. And she was talking about trying some gentle parenting tactics with her son. And Michelle Obama, you know, she our girl. So Michelle was like, um, but if you're his friend, if you become his friend, at what point does the friend turn off and the mama turns on? Because you can't always be your child's friend. Like, I'm the mom. I'm not going to be your friend. I'm going to make you mad and you're going to do what I say. 
So at what point do you cut off the friend? And that's one of the difficulties I think people are having with this gentle parenting is that it seems a little too friendly and not enough authoritative, which is what we should be as parents. So gentle parenting is like a whole conversation now, babe. They have memes out about, (laughs) it's not not supposed to be funny, but they said, how am I going to be a gentle parent if my kids don't gentle kid? (laughs) Like, if you know your children are not going to respond well to you being um, counting to count to five and let's breathe together, you know your children are not going to do that. And I don't think that specific parenting tactic is for you. So... What you over there finding? Because it looked like you, you're digging through Nothing. and taking a look I'm, at some stuff. No, I'm actually just looking at my phone. Okay. <laughs> I, was letting, I was letting you get that off because I'm going to let you have that. that that's yeah, what it is. That's, um, that's what they define it as. Good for them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anyone that will work for. Good for them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even, I don't, I don't gentle teach. I'm nurturing. Now, there's a difference. I am, I'm going to err on the side of, come come over, come on over here and sit down and tell me what happened. I am going to say it like that. No, I'm not going to say it like this. Sit still. But I'm going to be like, come here. Don't move. <laughs> said, don't move. Yank that, yank that leash. <laughs> like, we, I just, I don't, I have a really tough time with believing that children should have autonomy at a certain age. Like, they don't make good decisions because their brains are not developed. So me giving Which goes back to what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. We have to shut her down. <laughs> we got to rein her in because we've yes. let her have a long leash. Yeah, she has a long one. So we were pulling them all the way back in to the top. Um, they they not developed so they don't know what they want. Essentially, they, I mean, if you give them a bunch of decisions, they're going to pick the bad one because that's that's their impulse. Like we don't develop our ego and our super egos until later. So impulsive. That's what they are. They're children. So that's um it's very interesting. And and I bring it up because there's this TV show <laughs> on Hulu and y'all probably heard of it. It's called The Parent Test. Now, I've only seen one episode, y'all, admittedly, and I think there's been like three or four that have been released as of the date of this podcast episode. But they go through different parenting types and they kind of take the children, their children of the parents, they take them through these tests to determine if the way the parent is raising the child helps the child get out of situations. And it's so funny because I was listening. Who did I hear talking about this? Oh, substitutes. There were some subs at my school. They were in the hallway talking about this show. That's how I know people are watching it. And it was it was so bizarre. And I was I didn't jump in, but I was listening. So anywho, so they have like free free range parents. They have helicopter parents, routine parents, um, high achievement parents, strict parents, like all these different parenting types. And they put the kids through these tests to see if the children succeed in this test. And then they knock them off, like basically like Survivor, when they like vote you all, the parents vote the different parenting types off as if to say, that's not how you should parent your child. Get on out of here, get off the island. And it's so weird that they do that. So I guess eventually they're going to come up with this number one quote unquote way to raise your children, which... I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know who got knocked off because I haven't seen like the episode, all the episodes, but it's kind of wild. So mm-hmm. if you guys have seen that, I would love for you guys to chime in on our Facebook page. 
um, and let us know what you think about this TV show because it's wild. I'm like, what? Like one test they had was whether or not your child would jump off of a um, off a diving board. And so they had the different families come up and the little kids, like one little child was like, no, nah, daddy, I ain't jumping off of that. And she kind of ran and hid. And he they had one little girl who was like her parents were like super, super um, high achievement. And so she was up there shaking because she wanted to so that she could please her parents. But she ultimately didn't. And the mama was like, jump, jump, do it now. And she wouldn't. And the mama was mad. It was like so weird, y'all. And again, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's best. Right. And we're not experts. We don't know what's best for our kids. We know our kids, but we don't know like across culture how to raise our children because we were raised differently with so many different circumstances than now. Like there's so much to worry about now. It's so crazy. So, yeah, I don't know what's best, but I'm hoping that what we're doing is going to be is going to work out. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know if it's going to work out, but. I guess. Mm-hmm. That's the scary part. It is. We don't know how they're going to turn out. But I think if they're anything like their dad, they're going to be great. Damn. That is a compliment. <laughs> well, never mind. I renege. Take it back. <laughs> that is a compliment, mister. You don't want your children to turn out to be like you. Word. Thank you all for listening to our episode. I'm going to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe a little bit. (sighs) Women be shopping. Women be shopping. Um, Any other lasting ideas about parenting now? I don't know what we got about parenting now. We know it's, we know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's, um, it's a job. I read some little article that said it's like a 90 hour a week job because you come home and you're on every minute you have to be doing something. And like with our kids, they like to talk to me about anything. Anything comes through me. Stuff they going to do in the house, they come through me. (laughs) Even if daddy is right there. You know, I'm in the shower or in the bathroom, just on my phone. And here they come asking me for stuff. Daddy is downstairs, and I don't understand why this happens. <laughs> but I understand that it happens in most people's houses, that they go to mommy. I'm like the go-to, and I never asked for that. But anywho, you know. But it's, it's um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's rough and rewarding. It's It's rewarding. It really is. Yeah, it is. You just, all you can do is try to do the best you can and hope that you don't ever have to go through the pain that um, Ty Nichols' parents had to go through Mm. by the fact of just basically watching, (laughs) seeing seeing your child die on national TV. Mm. So... Again, you you do the best you can. You try to prep them for the world, and hopefully the world is somewhat kind to them. Mm -hmm. Forgiving. Yeah. Because that's that's another thing that we got to worry about with our children, that our parents didn't have to worry about with us, not in the capacity that we have to worry, is what's going to happen when my baby goes out in the street. 
walking around, walking, talking with a hoodie. You know, we're walking, talking, driving. And, they, you know, he gets stopped because it's inevitable. It's like, what's going to happen? So that's the, the, the horrifying part. But, um, you know, we got to keep lifting each other up. And that's a major thing, especially in parents, like parenting groups and that kind of thing. Like, just tell each other you're doing a good job, y'all. Even if you think somebody's not, they're doing their best. They're doing what they can do. Some of us are dealing with some major traumas, some major childhood things that they went through. Some of us didn't have good parenting. We don't know what it looks like, so we're just making it up as we go. And they're doing their best. They're doing what they can do. So, you know, what do you do? What can what can we do to tell one another you're not doing it right? Because we don't know how our children are going to turn out. So we can't tell somebody, hey, what you're doing is not right. You know, you don't beat them. That's not right. Or you beat them too much. That's not right. We can't say it because we don't know how they're going to turn out. So who are we, you know? Judge and jury, that's, that's us. So anywho, we can stay on the parenting topic for a minute. It's, it's very easy to kind of do a, a rabbit hole dive into this topic. So, mm-hmm. But we're, um, we're hoping we kind of <laughs> lifted some of the burden <laughs> off of our listeners. Um, you guys can see some of our vulnerabilities, some of the areas that we are still growing in. We've kind of given you a very honest look at what we're doing like right now as of press time, basically, to, to try to continue to be all we can be for our children. So... It is what it is. So we thank you all for for listening and tuning in and learning, living and learning with us a little bit. Um, yeah. You have anything last? Where can they find us, Mia? They can find us on Facebook and on TikTok. We on TikTok. I am. JP's on TikTok. We're not on TikTok as a as a group. Huh? But we could be as a group. Mia and the Paid and Full Podcast. <laughs> Anywho, and we have a Gmail. I'm Jarmia. <laughs> and this is Johnny. We are a group with the Paid and Full Podcast. Um, we have Paid and Full Pod like at Gmail. Band? Like a band? <laughs> We're in a band. Um, and then our website, I was going to start um, putting things up on it she last week. She I did. <laughs> She ain't did Y'all nothing. Busy. She ain't did nothing. It's this season right now. This season's getting ready to pass, and it's going to be fine. So I'm going to put some things up. Uh, I would love to put up a transcript of, like, episodes, like a like a piece of the transcript on the episode. So we're going to figure out what exactly content-wise I'm going to put up there um, so that people can have, you know, quotable moments. And Johnny said, dumbass. <laughs> Anywho, no, not like that. Just quotable moments from the show. I put some up on um, on the Facebook, but I think on the website would be beneficial as well. Mm-hmm. People like to quote us. Quote us. Quote us. Yeah, they like to quote us. Anything <sighs> left, my love? No, Mia, we out. Peace out. Y'all See y'all. Love care. y'all. Thank Good night. You. Good evening. Thinking when I called you on my iPhone, I guess I'm just thoughtless. Every single step feels like a milestone. I'm going in and out, in and out, trying to get back to my home. Heart shattered in different time zones. Pieces of my dreams now unknown. I'm lost without a purpose, blind I roam. Fumbling the verses like a bad running back. Walking dead, feeling like a living headstone.
mind Tell me what's the mission, let it go of all the inhibitions Break a couple lamps, I'm your genie Tell me all your wishes, what are your additions? Sex, money, and weed, sell out the holy trinity Overdosing, overdosing, I've made myself decisions, cut some wealth Even hurt my health, friendships gone stealth Non-existent, maybe the planets listen To my prayers for growth, wise words spoke I trim down, beware, seated a few layers For when that time came, I'll be prepared To love again, I flow like city wind Heart racing, sweaty palms exchange ideas Teardrops falling, form bodies calling Sprees in the mauling, beat action in wallets That's how this all began, yeah That's how this all began